You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. What is going on, you guys? Welcome back into the FC Young Adult Podcast. We are wrapping up our series entitled At the table. If you haven't been here for this or if you just missed last week, I'd really encourage you to jump back in. Mikey Wall shared an incredible message last week. And uh, we are in part five now. And the the whole idea of the series, uh, just to recap, is to look at stories where Jesus interacts with people over a meal or Jesus interacts with people in their homes, that there's something about him sitting in an in- intimate environment, teaching a lesson, having a conversation. There's just so many instances where Jesus makes these wildly impactful statements or teaches these incredible lessons while around a table. This week, we're going to be back in the gospel of Luke uh, chapter 10. And this passage is not very long, but it is packed with takeaways. And what I would like to do is break it down verse by verse and pull out some points and ask some questions. It's only five verses long, and it's the story of Mary and Martha, Jesus coming to their home and having a conversation around what is happening in the immediate vicinity. So where we're going to start, Luke chapter 10, verse 38, it simply says this. It says, while they were traveling, this is Jesus and his disciples, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. So the first question that I want to ask this week is, are we willing to host Jesus? Are we willing to host Jesus? See, what Martha knew was that by hosting Jesus, there was a chance that he was going to flip her world upside down. Because unlike some of the stories that we've looked like looked at up to this point, Martha already believed that Jesus was who he said he was. She believed that he was the Messiah. And by inviting him into her home, she was not naive to the fact that this could change everything. As we'll see throughout the rest of the passage, Martha kind of becomes the antagonist of the story. But at the very top, she does something that I think many of us might hesitate to do. She welcomes Jesus in. Often, we can become people who are willing to experience Jesus out there, quote unquote, out there. Out there could be church, out there could be at young adults, out there could be some other designated place that we're like, that's where I get my interaction with Jesus. But then we hesitate to become people who are submitted and surrendered to Jesus to not just accept him as our savior, but also allow him to be our Lord. And we hesitate to welcome him into the most intimate areas of our lives, into our homes, into our relationships, into our jobs, whatever it may be we get really hesitant to welcome Jesus in because we know that Jesus could ask something big of us. He could flip everything upside down and we hesitate. What would it look like if we shifted that posture? What if we became people who invited Jesus into not just the designated areas where we're comfortable experiencing Jesus, but into every part of our lives? Not not taking into consideration where we are physically or spiritually or emotionally and just being like, it does not matter What's going on today, this week, this month? What's happening in my life where I'm at emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, whatever it may be? Jesus, you're welcome. You're welcome to my life. Like come come camp in my life wherever it is that you want to take residence and just do a work in me. Our lives would change forever. See, here's the thing about Martha. She there's this tangible aspect where she had to wait for Jesus to come into her vicinity, into her town to welcome him into her home. We don't have to do that. 
One of the beautiful things about living on this side of the resurrection is that we get to experience Jesus each and every day. That he is knocking at our door each and every day. And we get the opportunity to let him in. So would we become people who welcome Jesus into our lives, every aspect, not just the designated ones? The story goes on to say in verse 39, it says, She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. So the next point this week is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. I absolutely love the image of Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. There's something about that posture that just screams intentionality. And I think it's really important that we understand that it's not just about proximity, but it's about attentiveness. That this wasn't that just that Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, that she was close in proximity to Jesus, but it was also that she was listening attentively to what he was saying. It says She sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. Because here's the truth. It is possible for us to put ourselves in proximity to Jesus, maybe in those designated areas that we want to experience Jesus, and yet completely neglect the fact that we are supposed to actually listen to what he's saying. It's possible for us to put ourselves in proximity to Jesus and not listen to what he's actually saying. I prepared the majority of this message in a coffee shop. And there were people all around me. There were people really, really close to me. In fact, for the majority of the time that I was preparing this message, there was these two women who were sitting really, really close to me, probably like three, four feet away. But I had in my headphones, I was intentionally making the decision to listen to something in my headphones instead of listening to their conversation. One, because I don't want to be creepy. And two, because I was trying to focus on what I was doing. But here's the thing, I could not listen to them even though they were in close proximity to me because I was intentionally listening to something else. And oftentimes, that is the way that our spiritual journey goes, that we put ourselves in proximity to Jesus, but we don't actually listen to what he's saying. We have to decide, Lord, I'm going to listen to your voice. I'm going to listen to your will over the cacophony of noises that are happening in my life right now, Jesus. I want to attentively listen to you, not just place myself in proximity. My kids go to church every single weekend, and every single weekend I ask them the same question, how was church today? And every single time they say, it was good. And then I ask a second question, what did you learn today? And sometimes, most of the time, I have incredible kids, uh, they say, this is what I learned today. And they just start rattling off the Bible story and the main point that one of our kids' pastors uh, so amazingly delivered. I love our kids' team. And sometimes I say, what did you learn today? And they go, um, and you can tell that they don't remember even though it was like 30 minutes before that. Same location, same proximity, often the same teachers, different posture. That they made a conscious decision to listen sometimes, and sometimes they make a conscious decision to not. And oftentimes, that is us with Jesus. We make conscious decisions to listen for his voice, and then sometimes we make conscious and unconscious decisions to not be listening for his voice at all. We are not kids, but this is what happens to us as well. We become distracted by the things that are happening in our lives. And that leads us in to the next verse, verse 40. It says, but Martha was distracted. She was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up 
and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The next question I want to ask is this. What is distracting us? What is distracting us? The unfortunate truth is that nobody lives life undistracted. We all have things that are grabbing and vying for our attention. Naturally, some of those things are not as good as some of the other things in our life. And sometimes the things that are distracting us are downright sinful. We have probably all found ourselves in situations where we are blown away by how we got into the mess that we're in, right? What what decisions that I make that got me here? Like it was a slippery slope apparently because I couldn't have ever imagined me sitting in this situation. And yet I can see the couple different decisions that I made where I got distracted away from the calling on my life, away from the person that God had called me to be. And I made one little decision here and then another one here and that led to this one. And now I'm in a place that I never thought I would be. You see, we get distracted and we have to ask ourselves the question, what is distracting me? What is distracting me from being who God has called me to be? You see, and it's not its not just the bad things. It's not just the sinful things. Sometimes we get distracted by things that are seemingly good. Martha was serving people. She was serving Jesus and his disciples. She was trying to host them well. She had all of these tasks that she had trying that she was trying to accomplish inside of her home. Those weren't bad things. And and the author, the apostle Luke, is he's not pointing out the distractions because Martha is necessarily doing something wrong. He's just highlighting that even in the midst of doing good, even in the midst of serving, that there was something better for her to be doing. She could have been sitting at the feet of Jesus instead of being distracted by her many tasks. When I was 18, I got the opportunity to go to Sao Paulo, Brazil. And we served in this area called Garbage Mouth, which is like downtown Sao Paulo, one of the most dangerous cities in the world, one of the most dangerous areas in that city. Um, the oldest person on our trip was like 25. I don't know why we were allowed to go, but I'm really excited. We, they're really glad that we did because it was life-changing, transformational stuff. And there was one day where we, we served in this homeless shelter, and we started the day by serving a, a huge meal in this gym. And so we had all these tables and we serve this meal and there's like hundreds of people in there. The meal gets over. People are kind of clearing out, going to their different designated areas. We're cleaning up tables. We're breaking them down. And then the soccer game with, with a bunch of the kids, they're like, Hey, who wants to play soccer? And I was like, yeah, I want to do that. I want to go get just wrecked by some six year old Brazilian kids. Cause they're better than I'll ever be. And, uh, just was playing soccer and, you know, people are trickling out, but there's several people around the outside of the gym and there's this one guy who's sitting in the corner and I can just, you can just feel it. Like obviously these people are in terrible situations. All of them are homeless. Like they're just, they're in in really, really rough spots. But there is something specific about this guy where he just looked defeated and downtrodden and so sad. And I'm playing soccer, laughing and, and, and having fun with these kids. And I just felt like the Lord impressed upon me, like go grab one of your translators and go talk to that guy. Go pray for him. And I was like, no, (laughs) I don't want to do that. What I want to do is I want to be here with these kids. I feel like they need to know that people love them and the people that that, that want to interact with them and and create a a fun environment, like all these different things. And so I justified in my head. And then the Lord was like, go do it. And I was like, no. And so I just continued to play soccer. About five minutes later, one of my other team members, I see him go over, grab one of our translators and walk straight to that guy. And honestly, the first reaction, I was like, oh, good. Like, I'm glad somebody's doing it. 
And then I said, ah, that should have been me. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like kind of keeping an eye on him, playing soccer. And uh, all of a sudden I just see that guy just weep. I mean, he's just weeping and heaving and just like there's just something happening. And, and my friend who's on my team is laying hands on him and our, our translator is doing the same. And there's just something spectacular that's happening there. And we wrap up that afternoon and we kind of get back to, to the apartment that, that we're all staying in and we have our team leader and he says like who what was the highlight of your guys today and everybody's going around and, and that team member's like and you guys like i got to help lead somebody to jesus like i sat with this guy and i prayed over him we talked about his family and we talked about what was going on and he accepted jesus as the savior and the lord of his life and he's like i i don't think i'll ever be the same and i was just like oh my gosh like lord thank you that somebody was faithful thank you that somebody listened See, what I was doing, loving kids and, and playing soccer with them and trying to give them the idea that there are there were going to be older people, uh, young men who did care about them when so many of them were fatherless, like that, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But Jesus was asking me to to hand over the good because there were other people playing soccer with the kids and going and doing what was better, what was right, what was necessary. And I didn't say yes to that, but my teammate did. And I'm so excited that he did that. See, I think that on a regular basis, we could ask ourselves two questions every single day. One question would be, what is distracting me right now? What is keeping me from doing the thing that God is asking me to do? What is distracting me right now? And if our answer is nothing is distracting me, actually, I feel good today. I feel like I'm on course with Jesus, that's fantastic. Would we ask ourselves a follow-up question? What has the potential to distract me today? Because we know that we live in a culture and a world and we have relationships and we have jobs and we have school and we have all the different things that are going on. There's going to be a million different things that could distract us. So we need to look at our days. We need to look at our life and say, what has the potential to distract me from doing the thing that God is asking me to do, from being the man or the woman that God is asking me to be? If we can ask ourselves those questions every single day, multiple times a day, just saying like, what's going on, Jesus? I just want to reset. I want to recalibrate. I want to be reattuned because what we can't do is become people who pray at the beginning of our day and just say, Lord, keep me distraction free today. And then just expect that we live our lives the way that we want to live our lives and that nothing is going to distract us from becoming the people that God is asking us to be. We must be people who are willing to try to identify those things because if we can become people who identify those things, we become people attuned to what is happening around us. We become people who are attuned to the voice of Jesus and we become people who are more likely to do what God is actually speaking to us in given circumstances, in given relationships, on specific days, in specific seasons. And I don't know about you, but I want to be attuned to the voice of God to become who he's calling me to be. A second question I want to ask is, are the distractions in our own life clouding our vision of others? Let me say that again. Are the distractions in our own life clouding our vision of others? This verse also points out why Martha, while not a bad person by any stretch, is in fact actually the antagonist of the story. Martha was not just distracted physically by her tasks, but she was spiritually distracted by her humanity. Martha was serving, but her brokenness, her fallibility caused her to see Mary's lack of serving. She projected her own human expectation onto Mary. That her own humanity didn't focus on what she needed to be doing. Her own humanity figured out, started to focus on what Mary was not doing. 
And how easy is it for us to become people who assess other people's inactivity instead of truly taking a look at our own activity? Maybe instead of asking the question, why aren't they, we should start asking the question, why am I? Why am I doing it this way? Why am I spending my time doing this? Why do I think that this is important instead of why don't they think that this is important? Why aren't they doing what I'm doing? Why aren't they trying harder? All those things. Instead of saying, why aren't they, we start to assess, why am I? Because if we become people who can assess our own activity instead of judging the inactivity of others, we start to focus on what Jesus is calling us to do. And we get to set examples and we get to to step out in front and allow people to say, I'm going to follow you because you're following Jesus. That as I model myself after your activity, what I'm seeing is that you're modeling your activity after Jesus. Martha allowed distraction to, to determine her response to the situation. She was distracted by her many tasks and it allowed her to say, well, I don't want to focus on the fact that I'm distracted. I want to focus on what, how you suck and how you're coming up short and how you're doing the things that I wouldn't do and blah, da 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 We do that too. Instead of focusing on ourselves, we start to look at other people and we say, my own stress, my own anxiety, the things that I'm getting worked up on in and about, it's going to lead me to saying, but you aren't doing this. Would we kill that in ourselves? And would we become people who assess our own activity over, over the inactivity or the activity in ways that we wouldn't quote-unquote promote in the lives of other people. So Martha allowed distraction to determine a response to the situation, and we can become super guilty of that too. In fact, her distraction causes her to say this. It says that she says, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. Bold. Remember, Martha believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the, the, the now coming king And she says, hey, yeah, Messiah, guy, whatever, like, yeah, creator of the world, whatever. Um, Could you tell her? Tell my sister. It leads us to another question. Do we make demands of Jesus? Do we make demands of Jesus? Tell her to. Tell them to. Do this. Do that. Now, hear me. There is a complete difference between a holy expectation that God will come through on his promises and demanding that God does what we want him to do. You see, we can so easily let our perception of life drive the way that we talk to Jesus instead of asking him to help us see life the way that he does, that our lens cannot be our own, but our lens would be Jesus's. Instead of making demands from our own perspective, what if we again ask the question, why? But when we ask why, it's like, why are you doing that? It's, Lord, I am genuinely and honestly curious. Why are you allowing this to happen? I think that there's a lesson to learn here. Why, why are you using them? Why, why are you using me? That we would come with a posture of humility and we would say, Jesus, I, I am in general, genuine curiosity wanting to know why you're doing it the way that you're doing it. I don't want to make demands of you. I want to make requests of you. Lord, would you show me? Would you open my eyes? Would you give me vision? Would you help me love people the way that you love people? Would you help me see people the way that you see people? Have we found ourselves recently making demands of Jesus, and how can we shift our posture? Verse 41 goes on to say this, The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. And I've always read this verse and like, oh, Martha, Martha, like, I can't believe you. But instead, I think this is Jesus just saying, like, Martha. He says her name twice, Martha, Martha, get, I want your attention. Look at me. You're worried and you're upset about many things. And the next point is this, is that worry makes us weary. Weary is defined as feeling or showing tiredness. 
especially as, as a result of excessive exertion or lack of sleep. Martha was tired because she was distracted with her many tasks. She was tired. And Jesus was openly inviting her to get off of her feet and sit at his. Jesus was openly inviting her to get off of her feet and sit at his. He's asking us to get off our feet and sit at his. The thing about Jesus is that he never makes us do anything. He doesn't come over, grab Martha, and sit her down. He just invites her into it. And that's what he does for us. He, he invites us into what he knows would be what would be most beneficial to us. Scripture makes it really clear that in this life there's going to be worry and that there's going to be trouble. John 16 says, I, I, I have told you that in these things that you're going to have peace, but you'll have suffering. You're going to have suffering in this world. Be courageous because I have conquered the world. Allowing the noise and all the moving parts of life to cause worry in us will eventually lead to weariness. But sitting at the feet of Jesus will lead to rest. The story wraps up uh, with verse 42. And it simply says, but one thing is necessary. So he says, Martha, Martha, you, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken away from her. The last point this week is the discipline of prioritizing. There are going to be a hundred things vying for our attention at any given moment. We've talked about that several times throughout this this passage. And I think that we have to ask ourselves, are, are we able to prioritize the good things over the poor things? But more than that, are we able to prioritize the great things over the good things? And more than that, are we able to prioritize kingdom things over human things? Because oftentimes our human perception says this is what should take priority. But we need to be people who say, no, Jesus, what do you think should take priority? I want my life to be kingdom oriented, not me oriented. Mary was still and Mary was present. And that would never be celebrated in our culture today. And at that time, it was not being celebrated by her sister either. But she was still and she was present because she wanted to sit at the feet of Jesus and attentively listen. It's not a license to be lazy. It's an encouragement to to have the discernment to listen when Jesus is speaking. It isn't about not having the willingness to move. It's about knowing when to move and knowing when not to. This example is probably only going to make sense to half of us who like football, but this is what I I, I just keep getting the vision of as I, I think about having the discernment of when to move and when not to. In football, when you're trying to get the ball down the field, there's there's something called no huddle, where where a team just they they run a play, they move the ball, they don't even get back into a huddle, they just line back up, they 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 snap another play. They are running play after play after play after play, trying to get the ball down the field because sometimes that's really effective. You don't allow the the defense, the opponent. To, to set, to get new guys in, to, to play the defense that they think that they need to play to stop what you're doing. But sometimes that doesn't work and you have to what? You have to huddle up. Oftentimes I think that this is, this is what we need to have the discernment to do is that sometimes we need to move the ball down the field. We need to move and go and press and do those things. Go, 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 go. But when things aren't working or we need to reattune with what our coach, Jesus, is trying to do, we need to huddle up and get a new play call. We need to take a breath and stop and listen to the voice of Jesus. So would we be people who are willing to go when we need to go and stop when we need to stop and listen all the time, being attuned to the voice of Jesus? Would we be people who individually and collectively know when we should be doing and when we should be being? 
when we should be doing and when we should be sitting at the feet of Jesus, accepting the invitation to just breathe. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.